Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. We're back again. Uh, we are going to do a little spring update today and I use Pro Day uh, is tomorrow. Eight prospects are going to be working out in front of NFL scouts to get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, we have one of our friends of the show, Dan Moglione, uh, coming on from NFLDraftBible.com and AllMediaNY.com. Hopefully I got his outlets right and he hasn't switched up on me uh, since we last saw him. Uh, also co-host TJ Inman is uh, in the house as well. Uh, TJ, how are you? I'm doing all right, Sammy. Yeah, uh, it's been uh, it's been a little been a little break as you know NCAA tournament and not much news coming out of uh, coming out of spring football, but we're going to start ramping up towards the spring game and uh, obviously pro day coming up. So a uh, big day for some hopefully future NFL and uh, Hoosiers. So. Um, looking forward to that, and then we'll hopefully be able to talk with Dan about kind of the class in general and the eight guys going through uh, pro day activities um, on Friday. So should be a good show. Yep, and, and if uh, you know we run out of topics to talk to, Dan and I can always talk the misery of being a Jets fan, and I know that will draw more listeners into. Um, into our show for that fun and exciting uh, topic. But right now, let's bring in Dan Moglione uh, from AllMediaNY.com and NFL Draft Bible. Dan, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Sammy. How's it going over there in Indiana? It's going well. Um, we, we are uh, full steam ahead in spring practice now that we've gotten a new basketball coach. Uh, that search is over, and the whirlwind that was those uh, about 10 days uh, are now over. People are excited, so it's, it's back to football for us, and, and away from uh, basketball until uh, probably around next October when when Hoosier hysteria comes around. Yeah, sure, sure. So Dan, let's get started. Uh, IU had some interesting uh, NFL prospects this year. The biggest name on their list is Dan Feeney, um, guard, two-time All-American. Uh, some people have him going in the late first round. Some people have him going in the second round. Uh, what does Dan Feeney need to do at Pro Day uh, tomorrow to up his stock and, and solidify him as a day one or day two pick? Well, I think the most what he could do tomorrow is basically how he performed at the position drills. You know, we saw him uh, do the drills at the scouting combine. Um, He's got big hands. He moves very well for an interior alignment. So I think in in those you know in terms of those skills, he's a proven commodity. Um, he's also well known as you know a team captain, a leader, somebody who's a hard worker, who's teammates like. So I think he's going to do well when he speaks to teams. I think they're just want to see 
how he might fit in, you know, their schemes and, and how he'll perform as an offensive lineman. So probably the position drills will be the most important thing for Feeney uh, tomorrow to solidify himself as a, a high pick. And clearly, you know, he's the only Hoosier at the Senior Bowl, one of only two guys from Indiana at the NFL scouting combine. Uh, Feeney's hands down the yeah, top prospect. Dan, can you repeat that? You, you cut out for um, about 30 seconds there. Uh, we'll get Dan back on here in a second. Um, his call has has dropped, so we'll get him back on. Uh, CJ, you heard what Dan had to say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was just talking give about a, give uh, a, 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 Just give us a little bit about what he uh, what he was talking about. Dan, uh, he was talking about Dan Feeney's, uh, what he needs to do uh, at Pro Day, and uh, he kind of just said he has to kind of repeat uh, kind of how he performed at the Combine, plus do well in the position, position drills. Uh, talked about his big hands, uh, which are obviously are an asset for, for an interior lineman. Talked about how fluid and well he moves. Uh, said that was going to be an asset as well that scouts will be looking at. Uh, just kind of observing the way that he moves uh, and his mobility, which you know we know uh, from watching Dan for, for four years, how well he gets out on those pole plays uh, and kind of or how well he does that. And that's a staple in a lot of NFL offenses. I think that's a huge boost for him in his draft stock. Uh, and obviously, I think a big boost for Dan is if, uh, scouts watched the tape where Dan Feeney did not play from last season. Uh, when Feeney was out, watch how different Indiana's offense, mainly the rushing attack, was from when Dan Feeney was in the game and then when he came out with the injury, suffered the concussion he had. Uh, the games that he missed, the offense was drastically different. The things they were able to do on the running game were very different. And I think that speaks really well to what uh, what Dan Feeney brought to the field and what I think he could bring. Uh, I mean, I, I'm no expert at all, but I really see him having the potential to have a 10 to 12, you know, year NFL career where he's just a, a plug and play rock solid starter that, you know, maybe occasionally uh, gets into the pro bowl. Uh, but I think this is going to be one of the top interior alignment consistency wise, for for as long as he chooses to play football, uh, if if he can yeah, stay and, healthy. So and we we have Dan back on the line. Uh, Dan, is it you know there's been some talk that that Feeney could skip out on some of uh, of the exercises uh, in, in pro day tomorrow, like the bench press, the 40 yard dash. Did he do enough at the NFL Combine uh, to be happy with those numbers, and then just do position specific drills? Yeah, I, I think he did pretty well. I mean, maybe the bench press you'd like to see a little more. Um, I'm trying to find it right now. Yeah, he threw I it think up he 26, had 26 times. 26, which, you know, if it was me and you uh, throwing it up, we'd be more than happy with that number. But when you compare him to other offensive linemen, that was only in the 50 – other offensive guards, I should say, that was only in the 56th percentile. So that's, a, you know, that's average at best for that position – and, you know, if there are questions about Feeney's game, it is, is he strong enough 
is he big enough? Once again, you know, 305 pounds is pretty big, but when compared to other guys, he's actually one of the lighter offensive guards in this class. So, you know, that's something that he may want to improve on and something that's kind of important. You know, he ran the 40-yard dash pretty well, but again, you know, how important is a 40-yard dash for an offensive guard? Bench press is something, that, you know, is a measurable that's probably more translatable to something on the field where it can impact your play. So, you know, that lack of weight, that lack of, you know, ideal, you know, elite upper body strength are two questions. Um, arm length is not quite there. He does have the big hands but doesn't have the long arms, which is why even though he played uh, tackle as a senior, really all the scouts are looking at him as purely as an interior line prospect. But in the other drills, he did, right. he did well enough. Yeah, and let's move on to another guy. Uh, well, before we move on, Dan, where do you think Feeney lands in May in the draft? If I had to pick right now, I would say most likely uh, the second round. I think he's a top 50 guy, so probably in the middle of the second round. Right. All right, let's move on. There are two. Uh, and the only other Hoosier to work out at the NFL Combine was Devine Redding. Uh, he's coming out. Uh, at what I think is some people thought was a little sketchy time, but when you break down all the things going on with IU football, um, with, with Camion Patrick probably taking over the starting role, Devon Redding's stock probably has never been higher, and you know it was probably the right time for him to leave after back-to-back thousand-yard uh, seasons. He did not perform all that well at at the NFL Combine. What does he need to do um, to improve his stock? I mean, he just needs to perform better. As you said, he did not perform well at the, at the scouting combine. Um, you know, his measurables were just really poor, poor across the board, whether it was a 4.76 40-yard dash, <laughs> which is, you know, an unthinkable number for a running back. Um, even numbers like his vertical, which is only 30 and a half inches for, for a guy that's that light was very unimpressive, three-cone time, 7.18. That was only at the 22nd percentile uh, for running backs, and that three-cone drill is basically designed for running backs to see how elusive they could be, how agile they are, how quickly they can change directions, try to mimic, you know, cutting and moving through a hole. So he did not perform well in that. I mean, he he was in the bottom percentile of basically every single measurable drill at the scouting combine and throw in the fact that he's only 5'8 and only 205 pounds. Um, you know, unfortunately for him, he was probably among the least impressive prospects in Indianapolis uh, at, the, at the scouting combine. Now, this is something where, you know, the, his workouts confirmed what we saw on tape. Yes, he, he ran for a yep. thousand yards in back-to-back years, but, and, and you've, probably gotten text from me during during the season that Redding just didn't have the burst uh, to be a next-level back and, and really a, a 1A back at the college level. Uh, he did a, a nice job of getting yards that were there, and, and he was a reliable back, but he was more fit towards that backup running back who, who could give you, you know, 12 to 15 carries a game and maybe if the hole was there, bust a long run. Uh, but – his workouts backed up what we saw on tape um, yeah. watching him in the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I'll, I'll, add in, just... I'll, I'll add in real quick that I, 
I think, I mean, there were fumble issues as well that nearly saw him get benched for, you know, large portions of games uh, during a couple of different seasons. I, I personally, I just never saw NFL level talent there. I think reliable uh, in terms of hitting the holes where, where they were. I think that that was uh, probably his best attribute. Uh, appeared to be pretty intelligent football player as far as, as, far as reading uh, where his runs were supposed to go and following his blockers. Uh, but I'll, I'll compare it to a, another Indian, former Indiana back that a lot of people didn't think had any type of professional football future, which is Stephen Houston. I think Stephen Houston is a far better player than Divine Redding. And, you know, we've seen him be able to grind out somewhat of an NFL career I think he's still with Baltimore, um, kind of up and down practice squad type guy. And I, if that's the ceiling for Stephen Houston, I, I'm not sure Divine Redding uh, reaches that, barring you know phenomenal improvement here, which is possible. But that's just kind of my uh, novice opinion on his his NFL stock. Yeah, I mean, both of you guys' scouting reports, I think, are spot on. You know, he he's a solid runner in terms of that he's got patience, he has pretty good vision, he seems to make good decisions, but he just he doesn't make plays on his own. He doesn't have that speed, that power, that explosiveness, explosiveness mm-hmm. to make things happen. He's the kind of back that basically will take what the defense gives him or takes what the offensive line creates for him, but he's not really going to make any yards on his own. He, he lacks that special attribute um, to, to, to really impress teams. So I think he's, you know, He's probably a borderline draftable player at this point. See a guy who might catch on as either an undrafted free agent or that final day pick who, you know, is that third or fourth running back that could play on special teams as well um, and then maybe, you know, be a practice squad player as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's hard to gauge right now, you know, who might get drafted in the seventh round as opposed to who will be an undrafted guy. But without a doubt, mm-hmm. I think Redding has done enough with back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons to at least get an invite to a camp and have an opportunity to make a team maybe starting out as a practice squad guy who can work his way up if somebody gets hurt. Right, let's move on. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, the two biggest Hoosier prospects are linebacker Marcus Oliver and uh, defensive tackle Ralph Green. Let's start with Ralph Green. He's a guy who who had a fantastic senior season. Uh, he played his way into honorable mention all Big Ten teams and had a uh, Shrine Game invite as well. Um, he's a big guy. He, he has a high motor when he's motivated. Um, what does Ralph Green need to do to prove that he could be a guy who a team could take a chance on? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to have questions to answer, I think. Um, you know, the fact that he wasn't at the Combine, you know, we're going to get our first chance to see how he performs in some of the drills. So, you know, and, and these numbers that aren't always easy to find out there, you're not necessarily looking for him to have a good 40-yard dash, but you like to see that 10-yard split. So how does Green perform in those first 10 yards coming out of the stance, which kind of more mimics what a defensive lineman will do and uh, I think he should do well there. That's something that I think, you know, scouts like. They like that quick first step. They like the power that he brings to that interior line position. They like his versatility. 
Um, he seems to be scheme versatile. I think, you know, if I was there and a couple of things I'd want to know, obviously he had an, an off-the-field incident, which I think teams are going to want to ask him about. And also they're going to want to know what happened. You know, he showed a lot of promise as a freshman and then was kind of non-existent for much of his sophomore and junior seasons. And, and as you said, he had a pretty good senior year. But even then, I'm not sure if he quite lived up to his full ability. I think he could have been far, far more productive over the past three seasons at Indiana. And I think teams are going to want to know why. What's up with that? Why didn't he play to his talent level, particularly for two full seasons leading up to his senior year? Was this something that he's maturing now? Or did he realize, hey, this is my last chance to make some money and get drafted, so I better put in at least one year of hard work? You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's probably a combination of a lot of things. Uh, He was recruited by Mark Hagan uh, to IU and then Hagen left, and then he came back last year. So, you know, he performed well when, uh, you know, his freshman year, and then when Hagen came back, guy who he trusted recruited out of Texas, uh, he performed well last year with him. But, yeah, you're, you're right, his inconsistencies, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of Darius Latham a little bit in terms of not mm-hmm. body size and body type and athletic ability, but production-wise was – Darius Latham was a beast physically, but just underwhelmed statistically. And, you know, in games he would get lost where, you know, you would think a guy like that at Indiana could dominate dominate some games. Now, he might not dominate against Ohio State or Michigan, but you'd think against teams like, you know, Wake Forest, uh, Southern Illinois, um, and a few of those other non-conference games, he would be able to put up big numbers. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a comparison there. I don't, I don't think Green's ceiling is as high as Latham, so I think, you know, maybe you give Latham a little more slack because you really like that upside. Um, and, and he's a guy that I liked a lot last year. And I, and I do like Green as well, too. I, I think he could be a, a real find uh, late in day three if he's still around there in the fifth, sixth round range. Right, and let, let's get to Marcus Oliver. He was a super productive player uh, for IU. He might be a little undersized for linebacker. He was a guy I was surprised did not get the invite to uh, Indianapolis for the combine. Uh, he had over 210 tackles over the last two years. He's the all-time career leader in force fumbles uh, with 12 for IU. He's, you know, to me, he's just a football player who – could tackle as a nose for the ball and as a difference maker. What um, is, is Marcus Oliver a sleeper in the draft in terms of guys who weren't at the combine, or is he somebody that you know NFL scouts saw something and and didn't think he deserved an invite? Well, what what he lacks is measurables all around. I mean, you you talked about his size, and he clearly lacks that. And he's a little bit of a, of a tweener, so to speak, in the, in the sense that, you know, he, he's a 5'11", projects to be around there, two, you know, around 240 pounds, just maybe even a little lighter than that. Um, so he really lacks that ideal size. And not only does he not have that size, he doesn't appear to be very fast or athletic. So, you know, is he big enough to play inside in a 3-4 scheme? Is he quick enough and athletic enough to play in a 4-3 defense where you're going to need to cover a lot more ground? And I think the questions a lot of scouts 
are, you know, the answers a lot of scouts are having to those questions is he might not be. So, so he lacks the size. He isn't very agile. He, he seems to struggle with changing directions when he needs to. All right, we lost Dan again. We'll get him back on a better line. Um, you know, excuse me. A lot of the things with with Oliver and, and the rest of the other four we're going to talk to Dan about are that, you know, I think that there's, and, and I was talking to IU people down at practice today, that there isn't a guy participating in pro day who say, you know what, he shouldn't be there. Um, so we have Dan back now. Uh, Dan, final thoughts on on Oliver. He he's a, a tackling machine. Does that production yep. just not mean anything? I I won't say it's not. It doesn't mean anything. You know, he, there's a reason he's. Uh, you know, teams are, will look at him tomorrow. He will be at the very least invited to camp. I think he does have a chance to get drafted um, uh, late in the draft, and he is a phenomenal tackler. He's a big hitter. He, he has good technique. You could see he craves the contact. He throws his body around. That's part of the reason why he creates those those fumbles that he does. Uh, he'll take on blockers if need be. So he's not just you know looking to get his own numbers out there. He'll he'll take out blockers to allow his teammates to step up and make plays. But right now it's just the ceiling seems really low, and so he projects to me more of a backup type. Um, and it's probably in a 3-4 scheme because of his lack of athleticism. I mean, that's something he could prove uh, people wrong tomorrow by putting up, you know, better numbers than expected. But probably a backup, more of a special teams guys. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, there's probably endless, you know, endless lists of guys that recorded 100 tackle seasons in the, in, you know, at the college level who, who just didn't pan out in, in the NFL. Yeah. Right. And there are four other – uh, players uh, working out in uh, in Bloomington tomorrow. We'll touch on them quickly, uh, and, and a lot of them are kind of wild card guys who, you know, you could see catching on in a role, uh, something like that. Let's start with uh, Mitchell Page, uh, who is a as Jets fans, you could just see him going to the Patriots, and becoming that guy who's a pain in the butt. Um, but he he was a uh, a very good slot receiver for IU. He has good speed, um, and he's an electrifying punt returner and a reliable punt returner. Uh, where can his versatility uh, get him uh, get him a spot with uh, land him a spot with the team, Dan? Uh, I mean, it's definitely going to help. I don't know if it will, but it, it certainly will help. And that you know, ability as a punt returner uh, probably will be his best ticket. To making an NFL team, uh, like you said, there is reliability. Uh, he had a little bit of a disappointing season last year, returning punts. I think he only averaged about seven yards of return, but he did have a couple of touchdowns as a junior, so he did flash that ability to kind of make plays as a special teams guy. In terms of his ability as a receiver, as you mentioned, he's a slot guy, extremely, extremely undersized. You know, he's he's definitely more of a possession type of receiver isn't really going to make a lot of big explosive plays. So yeah, he, he special teams is probably going to be his role, his, his ticket to making it to the next level. If, if he can crack a roster. Then another receiver that I use had that, that has come on of, of late is, is Ricky Jones uh, junior. He, he had a, a very good 
junior and senior season. Uh, he did suffer an injury early on in his career that kind of robbed him of his elite speed. Uh, but he's a guy who, who has good hands, maybe a little bit undersized to play on the outside. But he's another guy who can play on special teams, has made plays for for IU on special teams. Uh, what does he need to do to pre- turn some heads tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think how he runs is going to be important because, as you mentioned, he is kind of undersized for an outside guy. But when you watch him play, one of the things that I really like about him is that big play potential and the ability to beat defenses over the top, at least you know, at the college level. Now, can he do that in the NFL? You know, speed's going to be a big thing for him. So, you know, especially for all these guys who didn't perform at the combine, that's going to be really important. But for him in particular, I think if he can show maybe some of that, you know, speed that we we thought he was going to have when he was coming to Indiana, uh, that'll convince scouts to think that that big play ability could translate to the NFL. Right, and and finally, uh, there's two guys. who are really wild cards who didn't play much last year. Uh, Clyde Newton, who's a former linebacker, turned running back. Uh, I I think he's going to test pretty well tomorrow. But we haven't seen him play running back. There's no tape on him since high school. You know, what – we have no idea what position he's going to work out in. Is this a a situation of just test out, out of the roof and somebody will take a flyer on you? Yeah, I mean, test out of the roof, and I think probably, you know, more so fullback, I would guess, you know, than, than running back is an opportunity for him. And, you know, that's that's kind of like a a, a fairly smooth transition from a, scout's per, from a scouting perspective, you know, going from linebacker to fullback. You know, he's got 230-pound frame, that physicality, that, you know, that contact that a linebacker gets often is colliding with a fullback who's looking to block him. So I think that's probably the position that makes the most sense for Newton um, and, and one that maybe you didn't necessarily need so much tape for, especially if he does test that well tomorrow. Yeah, and, and he was a very good linebacker in a reserve role for IU. Uh, and it yep. was kind of surprising to see him make the switch last year. I know, you know, when he was a freshman, you were high on him uh, and all that. The next guy uh, is Demetri Camille. Uh, <coughs> offensive lineman, did not get clearance for a sixth year, uh, only played in two games last year. But he's an intriguing prospect because if he had played all 12 games or came back for a sixth year, I think he had a real chance to, to be a, you know, a second-day pick, uh, second- or third-day pick uh, in the draft. What, you know, besides making it through the drills healthy, uh, what is your opinion on, on Demetri Camille? Yeah, I think the the key for him is going to be his health, not only in, you know, how well he can perform tomorrow, but what the teams see in, in the medical stuff. You know, back injuries are, are something that definitely cause a big concern and have caused, you know, bigger-name prospects to slide in the draft because of that, because of the long-term concerns. So, you know, not only did it rob him of, of uh, most of his senior year, but – Teams fear that it'll rob him of time down the road, so they may that may make them a little shaky in terms of wanting to invest a pick in him. Um, but he is six feet seven inches and over three hundred pounds. Those are that's the type of length and frame teams like on their tackles, and those are things you can't teach. So I think 
did the injury really hurt his chances of being a day three pick for sure? But, uh, you know, the good news is he will have a chance to be at an NFL, you know, NFL camp. I'd be surprised if he's not in a camp. So he, he'll get a chance. And I think there is some ability there as a kind of, you know, long-term project type of player. I, I envision him probably making a practice squad and going from there. And then he's got to take that opportunity and prove to teams that he can, he can, he deserves a chance to get on the field. Right. Well, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us where we can read your your stuff. Yeah, I'm at allmedianny.com. So I'll be, you know, I'll be doing a bunch of uh, NFL draft stuff leading up to the draft, as well as some uh, college football stuff, some Big Ten spring football coverage uh, mixed in as well. All right. Thanks, Dan, and, and uh, we'll talk soon. Great. Anytime, Sammy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was Dan Moglione of AllMediaNY.com with, with some great insight on on the IU participants in Pro Day. Uh, TJ, any final thoughts on these eight guys going into tomorrow? I, of, of the kind of the last four that we mentioned, uh, I, I'm very interested to see uh, Marcus Oliver uh, I guess you know one of the last four, but of those guys, I'm very interested to see what teams do with Marcus Oliver because, like you said, does that production mean anything? And it does. It means something, but it's unclear how much it means. And I think it's going to be important for Marcus Oliver to test well enough. I mean, he's he's not going to post great numbers, uh, but it's important for him to do – well enough in those measurable drills that it helps offset some of his physical shortcomings, uh, not in terms of a normal person, but in terms of just being a NFL starting caliber linebacker. Um, I'd be very surprised if he did not end up on a roster or a practice squad. I think he will definitely be at least on a practice squad. And I happen to think once he gets in camp and the coaches uh, get a chance to watch him play on a consistent basis day in and day out, uh, they're going to like him quite a bit. Uh, And he's just going to make plays like he did in college. Uh, It's it's not entirely sure how he does it uh, because, uh, you know, Dan pointed out the physical – uh, limitations that he has with speed and, and size, but I think he'll just continue to make plays in NFL camp, and I I I'm predict that if he goes to a good situation, he ends up making a roster and, and having a, a pretty decent NFL career. Uh, beyond that, I, I just hope that Demetrius Camille uh, is able to be healthy because I think if he is, uh, I think he has a shot to to have you know again a solid NFL career as, you know, kind of a rotational offensive lineman that can uh, play a couple different spots perhaps, but primarily an outside tackle uh, on the right side. And and I think if he can be healthy uh, and have a legitimate shot at an NFL career, that'd be great. It it really sucks when a guy uh, has an injury that he has no control over, kind of rob him of, that playing future that, that he worked so hard for. So I just hope for Dimitri's sake that he tests well, 
and that really the the physical examinations go go well. That's the important thing for him on Friday. Yeah, and the two guys I, I want to watch closely besides uh, you know Feeney and and Redding, I, I want to see Ricky Jones and Mitchell Page run and yeah. go through drills and see what their athletic ability um, you know is measured at, and then you know I could. Do we know who's going to throw for them? It's okay. not going to be Xander, um, but I don't know. No. Um, no. Yeah, shocking, right? Um, but uh, anyway, it's it'll be interesting to see what they show because those are two guys who could find their ways into an NFL camp and onto a roster because yeah. of the little things that they do. Uh, um and and it's you know I, Mitchell is we we've seen it the last two years he's a leader he's an emotional leader yep. uh, in the locker room he's a guy who you know has performed big in some big spots and and has the ability uh, to be a terrific football player and hopefully that content somebody gives him a shot at the next level to do that but let's get to some yeah. spring updates uh, there's really not much going on in spring practice especially that we could see we're only allowed right. uh, 30 minutes of, of practice time with the new staff. They're, they're installing a new offense, and, and it's very, very understandable why they don't want us there um, yep. to, to watch because uh, of various reasons. Uh, but it, it, it looks like, uh, you know, from, from comments and all of those things, that, that Lego will be the guy at – at yeah. uh, QB1, and we'll see uh, from there. But Simi Cobbs, if you've watched the highlight tapes IU has put out, he's had a tremendous spring. Uh, he looks to be back uh, with a vengeance. And then if, if with him and Nick Westbrook on the outside, um, and, and then maybe, you know, Taysier Mack has had a good spring as well, uh, you, got, you could run out a big receiver lineup. Um, and then we'll see how Jay Sean and, and the other smaller slot guys uh, come along, uh, come along there and, and see that the dynamic they can put together on offense. That's what we'll be watching for at the spring game in a couple weeks. Um, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna, <coughs> excuse me, they're not gonna show everything or show anything. Uh, but you know, you'd hope to see some basic throws some basic routes and some basic tendencies on offense and see where it goes from there because there are some position battles where you need to watch um, in spring practice. Yeah, I'm interested to see, uh, I mean, like you said, we are not able to tell anything, and I think it'd be kind of irresponsible to, you know, watch – one drill and then jump to leaping conclusions and, and say, oh, yeah, this this is clear, this is happening, or this is happening, or, you know, which which we, I mean, uh, we could attempt to do a bunch of reading in between the lines just based on, you know, 10, 15 minutes of actual action, but it, it would be, I think it'd be, you know, foolish and, and a bit irresponsible to do so. But what we yep. can do is say physically, Simi Cobbs looks like, you know, the kind of guy you're hoping to see uh, 100% healthy, confident, and, you know, physically imposing. 
uh, that's yes. we can see that with our own eyes. It's just, I mean, it doesn't take much to know what you're looking for there. You don't have to see a bunch of a bunch of drills. We know what kind of player Simi Cobbs is capable of being. So just seeing him out there uh, is is good to see. And I'm obviously it's very exciting to have the emergence of Nick Westbrook plus the return of Simi Cobbs. That one-two punch really puts a ton of pressure on defenses, which there are very few programs that have one really good big corner, let alone two of them. Um, yes. That, that can contain uh, two big receivers that are also capable of getting down the field, Cobbs and Westbrook. Uh, and it, it, makes, it makes the loss of Mitchell Page at slot receiver a little bit easier to handle because – it, it takes off some of the pressure at the slot receiver. I, I, I'm not sure how teams are going to be able to, if Indiana can be accurate and can protect, I'm not sure how teams are going to be able to contain uh, both Cobb and Westbrook while also still devoting a decent amount of attention to that inside slot receiver, whoever it ends up being, Taysir Mack, Luke Gideon. Uh, or and you know, Jason and Harris, or even ends. a yeah, or even a Jonah Morris, and then and then the increased use of the tight end, which hopefully we'll see some of that at the spring game. Like you said, we're not going to see them uh, give away any state secrets, but it would be nice to see. That would be a big you know, uh, a big prop bet. TJ is. Are, will there be more tight end yeah. tar- tight end targets in the spring game than all of last season combined? Yeah, there, there were I mean, ten catches by tight ends last year in the season. It would be very, right. very close to to you know maybe uh, you know seeing what we get in the spring game. But uh, spring game's coming up in two weeks. We'll have full coverage on it. Uh, right now, we're trying to cover recruiting as best as possible, and and. Um, talking with players during availability. Uh, we'll be down in Bloomington for pro day tomorrow. Uh, players will yep. talk afterwards. Uh, Coach Allen will talk afterwards. We'll have a photo gallery. Uh, but, TJ, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure talking IU football with you. Um, hopefully, yep. as the spring and summer goes on, we'll ramp up again, and uh, we'll get into uh, we'll get into our mode for the uh, the 2017 season. Yeah, and, it, it you know, I will say one thing that we've had uh, on our site and on our YouTube page, um, the new staff interviews, uh, they've been available. Grant Hurd, Mike Hart, uh, Mike DeBoard, and then Mark Hagan has been available a lot. I mean, it, it's a, I think that they're a very impressive staff to just, you know, listen to talk. Um, for the most part, they don't, I mean, they're not giving away information necessarily, but I, I think they're all, you know, very well-spoken, um, I, not that the previous guys were not. I'm not suggesting that, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed getting to know the new coaches a little bit just through those, you know, five, six-minute interviews, and those clips can be found uh, either on our website or uh, search Hoosier Huddle on uh, on our YouTube channel, and, and they're on there as well. So, uh, yep, and, and if you do YouTube, subscribe. Yeah. Yeah, if you do YouTube, subscribe. Yep. That way you don't have to go searching for us. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. 
Uh, we're on Facebook as well, uh, facebook.com slash uh, the Hoosier Huddle. Uh, we put all our stuff up on social media. Uh, check back to the site often as well. Um, we're still doing our Support Hoosier Huddle campaign. Uh, there are many various ways um, to support us. You could donate uh, money through our GoFundMe campaign. You could buy items through Amazon, through our Amazon ads, uh, things like that. We're going to get a campaign for some Hoosier Huddle gear uh, as soon as we get a design done um, that people like, and um, hopefully you have them ready by the season. But if you help us, uh, support us, it keeps us as a free site. It, it helps with travel fees, um, you know, compensating our writers as well for the, the great work that they do. Uh, so don't be shy. You can donate uh, as much or as little as you want, but every, uh, every penny helps. And, and we enjoy bringing you quality IU football content, and we would love to continue it for many, many years down the road. So uh, please check out our support page. It's on the top of the page uh, on the desktop and then on the drop-down menu uh, on the mobile devices. So, TJ, that wraps up our, our Pro Day preview and our uh, brief spring yep. update. And before you know it, we'll be in our 100-day countdown uh, and, and really getting ready for Ohio State on August 31st. Right. Yeah, just the uh, last thing I will say before I sign off is good luck to – Good luck to the eight guys working out. I know it's a huge day for, for all of them. Uh, a couple of them are probably feel pretty good about uh, about where they sit heading into it, but, but still it's a, a huge day for all eight of those guys. I know they've worked really hard for it, so best of luck to them. And, and we'll, uh, we'll recap what happens on Pro Day and then kind of we'll probably have Dan on before the NFL draft to, to preview uh, the NFL draft for the IU guys and the uh, draft as a whole before that. Looking forward to that as well. So have a good week, everybody, and thanks for listening. Yep, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, especially with the spring game coming up to preview the spring game and go over uh, the rest of spring practice. So thank you, and enjoy the rest of your day. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.